Welcome to the Con Pod, a Star Trek convention podcast, a proud member of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Here is your host, Ron Robel. Welcome to the Con Pod, a Star Trek convention podcast. I'm your host, Ron, and you can find me on Twitter at TrekkerRon and the show at TrekConPod. Today's show is the second part in our series of an introduction to STLV, and today we'll be discussing the layout of the convention, looking at Vegas as a convention destination, and doing a bit of a deep dive into autographs and photo ops. We're joined by a fabulous pair today. Up first, the host of the Trek Profiles podcast, and as a Las Vegas local, is a very familiar face at STLV, John Krikorian. John, welcome. Hey, Ron. What a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. So excited to have you, as well as our second guest who is returning for her second ConPod appearance, one of the hosts of the Shore Leave podcast and an admin for the Star Trek Convention Experiences Facebook group, Marina Kravchek. Marina, welcome. Hi, great to have a, well, great to be back, actually. So fantastic for, you know, for visiting. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Always so much fun to get together and talk about the Star Trek Convention, which as of this recording is a mere 94 days away so coming very, very quickly. Um, so we'll jump right into this. Um, so our first talk topic is looking at the layout of the convention. Um, and one of the first things that a lot of people dive right into is pre-registration when you get there, your chance to get your ticket and information. Uh, Marina, let's go ahead and talk just a little bit about what the pre-registration line looks like and how does like your ticket type determine when you can get into pre-registration and what, what exactly does that mean to pre-register? Uh, as most things, uh, everything is organized according to the tier. So the upper tiers, so the gold weekend ticket, the captain's chair ticket, the uh, copper, uh, they go first, uh, gold being the first. And usually they try to schedule it so that you pre-registration happens um, some hours before they actually open the vendor room for a preview show. Um, and you literally, everything is going to be uh, posted online, all the hours. You just make sure to keep track of that. And depending on what your tier is, you show up and it actually, it feels a little bit intimidating if you've never been part of that huge queue, seemingly huge queue. Once it starts moving, it actually moves really, really fast. Um, and the process is very easy. You should have uh, your ticket on you. Uh, I believe they can scan it off your phone, uh, but I, you know, I'm being the nervous Nelly. I actually usually print my PDF just to be sure. Um, so they scan it. They, uh, you basically, you go through into the rotunda portion, which is like the entrance area uh, to the uh, uh, convention facilities of the hotel. Um, and they will um, hand you, well, they, they will put the wristband on you um, and it's color coded depending on what your tier is and a little envelope, which will contain if you have gold captains or copper, actually all of them, the general admission has one as well. So basically everybody who's there for the entirety of the convention, all four days, there will be a badge and then, you know, little extras depending on what your tier is. And I'm sure we're going to talk about this later when we talk about the admission tickets. Um, so the whole thing is fairly straightforward. And once you're through, uh, well, golds are done fairly early. You still have hours to to go until they open the vendor room or if you have something else planned for the evening. So basically, you boom and done, I'm going to say probably within the first 30 to 45 minutes. It, it's usually, it really does, once it starts moving, starts moving fast. Um, the general admission typically is done literally once things are already, like people are circulating in the area and things are happening, so to speak, the vendor room opens. Um, and that I think kind of, even though it's like, it's pre 
you know, this pre prefix, uh, you know, gets play, gets thrown a lot. But really, you know, the day before it's, it's sort of part of the uh, convention experience if you're coming for the entire weekend. So for those who do have tier tickets, meaning you're coming for all four days of the convention, I would recommend getting there early. So you do include Wednesday as part of your convention experience. Absolutely. And I can vouch for that. The line goes by very quickly. I don't know that I've ever waited more than five or 10 minutes in the pre-registration line. Um, but John, how has your experience been going through pre-registration? Pre-registration, super simple. I think Marina hit all the main points. Um, the only thing I would say about pre-registration that makes it kind of cool is that, you know, you're getting in a line with some random Trekkies. So just be sure to talk to the people around you. Um, I, I know some people don't like to do that, but I think it's great just to meet other people and talk to them about Star Trek and all that. So I, I usually treat it as kind of a little social event, but but you don't have to if you don't want to. Um, and I think the yeah. thing, the other thing that Marina alluded to that's very important is, of course, you can get into the, the vendor room a little bit early on Wednesday night. And uh, sometimes there's some good treasures that uh, tend to go pretty fast. So you can you can find some some interesting things if you're in the vendor room first. To really, for those who are already might be thinking, well, this is going to be an experience that I might want to repeat going forward. Um, you, of course, don't know until you get there, but I suspect that a lot of people, first-timers, kind of kind of eventually get bitten by that bug. Um, the uh, pre-registration line is also a useful tool for those who are planning to move up. So if you do have a tier where you select your own uh, seat and you're thinking, well, maybe next year if I go, I may be able to get a closer seat in, you know, maybe move up a few rows. Um, that, like I said, it, it is a tool. If you show up early enough and those who do really do want to move up, show up hours before pre-registration starts. That's why when you arrive, you tend to see definitely, there is definitely a line there already. Uh, it, mostly people at the front are those who are hoping to move up in uh, within, usually within the gold weekend tier. Uh, you know, I actually did the, the, did that myself before the um, 50th anniversary. I really wanted to get as close as I possibly could, and I managed to move up to third row, which is almost shocking because, as we know, the front part is uh, a valued real estate, and those people who come every year, they tend to kind of stick to those seats. That's awesome. And just out of curiosity, what ticket tier are you both doing for this convention this year? General admission. And I'm doing copper. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm doing copper. Perfect. All right. Well, and as we look at once you're through the pre-registration, um, you do the vendor's room, you come back the next day, the convention has begun. Um, there are at least two theaters. I think there's a third theater that's been announced already for this year. Um, how exactly does that work? Do you, do you have an assigned seat? I know Creation's a big fan of saying that everybody has a seat. Um, but John, how does that work in the main theater? What, what's the seating situation look like? Yeah, so at the Rio, uh, they have a guaranteed seat in the main theater for each person. Now, certain ticket certain ticketeers get a guaranteed assigned seat, and as Marina alluded to, like those gold and the captain's chair, uh, and I think even the copper, they they get assigned seating so that you're picking your seat when you're buying a ticket. Uh, whereas for general admission, like me and even the people who are buying day passes. There is enough seating in the main theater that should it be the case that every single person who bought a ticket at a, on a specific day shows up in the main theater at a specific time, which is unlikely to ever happen. But should it happen, everyone could sit down and see something. And even if you're sitting way at the back, they have these huge screens. So you, you won't miss a thing, even if you're in the very back row. Um, it, they, they really do a nice job of that. So you, you'll be able to see everything no matter where you are. Absolutely. I think they've done a great job with that. Like you said, the video screens in the back of the theater. Um, I know my first year I was copper on the side and I think I was like the third or fourth row, really fantastic seat. 
and found myself more often than not coming in in the middle of a panel and still grabbing a seat in the far back because there was a lot more room to spread out and it was just with the cameras and the video screens it's an easy way to see it um but marina how does that work for events that happen in the main theater such as the gala, gala or the rat pack um if you have an assigned seat um, like you will yeah, this year yeah the yeah the, the gala is usually included it's part of the tier ticket so it's automatically included in your ticket and you get to keep the seat so with whichever you know copper wherever you're sitting that's the seat you keep full for uh, for the special events um the uh, general admission obviously comes in and what's more what's wonderful about the, the gala especially is that uh, anyone who's not attending the convention actually can go to this concert as well uh you don't need the admission to the convention you just need the admission to ticket to the gala itself so if anyone listening and you're local enough and you think well maybe i'll just go and check out the space and uh, hear some well i'm assuming it's going to be something musical it tends to be some sort of concert for the gala um, you just need to buy the ticket for the gala itself. As far as Rat Pack, um, it's same, same, same deal applies. Uh, Rat Pack is open to everyone, and that's the traditional close of the convention late in, on Sunday evening. Um, and same deal, you know, you keep the seats. And um, I'm actually thinking that I believe it's it's accessible to all, regardless. So it's it's free. You like you don't have to have a ticket for it. Like general admission, you just you just show up. Um, I'm not sure how how packed the place actually is because it's so late and a lot of people uh, are actually e either in the process of leaving or leaving the following day. I personally have not attended the two last Rat Packs uh, for that reason. Actually, I had very early flights out. Um, so, but as far as I know, pretty much anyone who's at the convention can just show up at Rat Pack, and you definitely will have a spot. Yeah, I think that's correct. And I know like the first year I did one of these conventions in 2018, I believe the Rat Pack show was like at nine o'clock local time, which is an East Coaster. Yes, it's usually nine, by nine the end of the convention. I'm getting used to it, but the flight leaves at 6 a.m. Um, they've gotten a lot better. I think the last couple of years, it's been a little bit earlier in the evening, um, but still it's definitely later. And if you're getting an early flight out, it's hard to make it to. Um, John, have you had any experiences with attending the Rat Pack? I know you're a local, so you're you're used to that time change already. <laughs> Yeah, the time doesn't bother me all that much because uh, typically I'm taking that Monday off of work anyway and spending that Sunday night at the hotel. So it's it's not it's not a big deal for me. Um, I will say the one thing about the Rat Pack that's a little weird or well, not weird, but I should say interesting is that that's usually the only thing that is happening at the convention at that time. I mean, you know, as far as official events. So while you're in the Rat Pack, they're breaking down everything else. And it's really strange because you walk into the Rat Pack, you walk out of the Rat Pack and everything is gone. <laughs> I mean, or they're they're putting stuff in a crates. I mean, it's it's literally, you know, it's a whirlwind change while you're in that room and you walk out and all of a sudden everything's gone. So it is the very last thing that happens uh, that uh, at the convention each year. It's kind of a sad feeling when you come out and you see that all broken down. You're like, where did everything go already? It's yeah. like they're, they're very fast. But yeah. at the same time, it is a nice it is a nice ending to it. So like, like a nice little, you know, exclamation point at the end of this whole experience. Absolutely. And it tends to like, even though those who have possibly, um, you know, had the experience of, of seeing uh, the actors who are part of the Rat Pack put on a show, uh, you know, maybe on the Star Trek cruise or, or elsewhere, they do try to vary it. They very often have special guests and that kind of changes the whole, you know, the dynamic atmosphere. They change the, the, the show pieces around a little bit. One year they had uh, Nana, for example, that was the first time that she was part of this. And I have to say it, it just made the 
whole thing spectacular because she was just such an amazing part of like she, she just um you know put on her own pizzazz on this i mean we all know nana did musical theater so it was uh it's amazing so it's definitely something to check out and if you've never seen them that is a must for sure because like i said it, it puts a nice exclamation mark on the whole show absolutely and that's so the main theater is enormous there are, i don't know how many seats but like john mentioned everyone's guaranteed a seat in that theater it's about six thousand um, seats about six thousand yeah, I mean, yeah yeah that's big and especially when you compare that to the secondary theater or the third the ter- tertiary theater um those theaters it's important to know there are no guaranteed seats um I, i've never seen the secondary theater fill up um but they have some really fun programming in there um if they do a tertiary theater it's generally at the rio attached to jimmy's place um in that yes. i have seen it it's much smaller mm-hmm. Um, be really standing room only oftentimes for some of the funner panels in there. Um, so get to those panels early if you're planning to attend yeah. and you want to see. It's it's one of those things where it, it kind of makes sense that you have the main theater, the main venue, which again, just to reiterate, it's about, about 6,000 feet, which is the natural limit. You know, that's they don't go beyond it. That's why everybody gets a seat. You know, you don't get more uh, basically daily tickets, uh, you know, more than what the main theater can fit. Um, the secondary theater and tertiary theater, I feel, are extremely important. Uh, they have developed the programming that actually it's occasionally you would be like, well, I have seen the Q&A with this particular guest many, many times. What else is going on? And then for sure, definitely, the secondary theater and tertiary theater, sometimes you have fan programming, which tends to be fascinating because, you know, the these are your fellow fans who are putting who are talking about whatever subject of their you know passion that somehow relates to Star Trek. Uh, you can have science, which is one thing that f- is a must, you know. And we we should probably you know mention that there will be science programming that's already announced for this convention. Um, you know, I have seen when Dr. McDonald, for for example, had her show in the tertiary theater, and it was one of those things at STEM only. People were literally spilling into the bar area of the space, and it was just like. What is going on here? It's just it's it was a fascinating, wonderful talk that she was doing, and you know a whole lot of people wanted to do it, and it really probably should have been in the secondary theater, not not tertiary, because there was not enough space. Uh, they did rearrange it uh, the last year before the pandemic. It became, I mean, still that L-shaped space that we have for for the um, uh, Jimmy's place, uh, but they moved the the um, uh, the stage in a somewhat different area, and it became a little bit easier. To, to circulate for those people who are just trying to get a hot sandwich versus those who are sitting down to hear whatever's going on on the stage. So I'm kind of hopeful that now that we're coming back after the pandemic and after the, um, you know, our experience at Bally's, uh, I'm kind of hopeful that, you know, the, the spaces, the main theater, secondary theater, tertiary theater are going exactly the same places where they used to be. So, um, you know, hopefully that layout made a whole lot of change and made it very easy to to basically you know uh get out of your uh, seat in main theater walk over to the tertiary theater check out what's there if you're not interested switch over to secondary run over have a photo op and then come back to the main theater it was all nice uh nice organized space if you will so i want to go back to something you'd asked about earlier ron which is what level of ticket we bought and i want to explain my reasoning here because it ties into this discussion about the theaters which is that you have to be very clear when you're going to STLV, and I guess all conventions would be like this, but what are you going for and what do you want to do? Now, there are people like gold ticket holders who will go to the convention and sit in the main theater from 10 o'clock in the morning until 8 o'clock at night and watch every single main panel. 
which is great. And usually these are the people, you know, it, there's kind of, it's kind of a barbell shaped distribution. It's like the people who hold those seats, who go to the sit in that like first, second, third, fourth row, they're going to be there all day, every day for every single thing in the main theater and like run out for lunch and to go to the bathroom. Then there's like the newer people and it's their first time coming to this. They're going to want to be in the main theater to see all the, all the talent and all the big shows and all the big things. Then there's kind of the people like me, like I have seen William Shatner 15 times. Like I've heard all the stories. I, I know how it goes, you know, and I'm, then this is just for me. I'm less interested in seeing like the same people for the eighth, 10th, 12th, 34th time. So as I've gone to the convention more and more, I'm spending less and less time in the main theater. And I'm seeing for myself much more interesting and innovative programming in the secondary theater and in the tertiary theater, which is not even a theater, it's really the lunchroom that has a stage in it. I mean, we should really be clear about that. It's it's not a, a third theater. It's the <laughs> lunchroom cafeteria that has like a little stage where they do stuff. So <laughs> you're competing with the other people who are eating lunch, buying coffee and sandwiches, you know, who are sometimes sitting in, you know, yeah. sitting in that theater space having lunch just because the show's on, they're going to watch it. So that's kind of why it fills up. But um, that's where you see the really wacky stuff. And like the really interesting stuff. So I just want to challenge you out there. If you're coming to the convention for your fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth time, go check out some of that stuff in the secondary theater and in the in the third theater. It's really weird. It's really fun. And it's it's just very different stuff that changes every year. And I'm I myself, just speaking for myself only, am enjoying more of that stuff than I am the main theater every year, which is why I don't yeah. even want to assign seat anymore in the main theater. Yeah, the, the John is absolutely right. Uh, you know, the, the everybody's looking for a different uh, convention experience, and there's no wrong way to experience your convention. Everybody's looking for different things. And yeah, as you kind of start going over and over and over again, your experience most definitely changes. This is going to be my 13th hostility this year. And... Uh, I still enjoy conventions, so that's sorry conventions. I still enjoy panels, which is one of the reasons why I still get uh, a tier ticket. So it means I have an assigned seat anytime I need uh, at the main theater. But at the same time, I'm gonna say it's probably sixty forty this sixty percent, you know, secondary tertiary theaters and other experience elsewhere during the convention versus forty percent, maybe even thirty percent in the main theater. All depends, you know. It's I, I looked I looked at the old programs not so long ago, and I realized that it was very strange. I had there was this one, starting from the year that Discovery premiered, um, so from my, roughly like two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen, and then three years in a row, I had extremely different spread between what I was doing in the conventions. There was one convention where I literally. It was that exact uh, situation that John was describing. I sat down in the main theater, um, probably midday. And then I spent all my time uh, up until like when it closed, like 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. Because they had all the, you know, introductory panels dedicated to Discovery. So they had the the uh, behind the scenes talent on the stage. They had the actors on the stage. It was this whole like a Discovery day that we had for like the entire, it was still a five-day event. So it was an entire Wednesday basically dedicated to Discovery. And then the following year, I barely spent any time in main theater. I think I only stepped, finally stepped foot in there like on Saturday morning. Otherwise, I was doing stuff elsewhere because there were fascinating science panels in secondary theater. Somebody was doing like maybe a trivia or something in the tertiary. You know, Larry Nemechik was doing a talk about uh, whichever uh, movie anniversary we had at the time. So things things change. And, you know, we, I'm sure we're going to touch upon things that pop up in the uh, schedules. We have all sorts of experiences during this convention. Um, uh, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, whatever you're looking for, you're probably going to find it 
this convention. But again, just to reiterate, there is no wrong way of doing the convention, whatever you're looking for. And if you do come back, I'm sure you will finally zero in at which ticket works best for whatever experience you're looking for. Absolutely. And John touched upon the fact that the tertiary stage is very much also in the cafeteria um, for STLV and inside Jimmy's place, um, which <laughs> it's is a community a lounge, space. Let's, let's call it exactly. community space. It's a, where the craft swap takes place, which we'll be talking about in another episode. Um, but let's talk a little bit about Jimmy's place and what its function is other than being a host for that tertiary theater. Um, John, what is, what is Jimmy's place? So it's basically the closest thing to like the 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 leftover room uh so it's got the cafeteria which by the way is probably if, if you want to buy food every day that's probably the most reasonable place that you can go um if you go out to the restaurants and stuff it's going to be way more expensive i mean if you just want like a sandwich or a salad and a coffee that's that's probably your best bet because it's right there and if you want food on the go and you know that it's not it's not a bad option i mean it's not great but it'll get you through um, but they have a theater set up in there. And as Marina said, they'd kind of been changing like the physical layout of it. So they have the stage, they have the cafeteria, and then they just have tables. And so what happens is people are using those tables for like fan organized events. Uh, like you made reference to the craft swap. There's other things that are going on in there at all different times of day or night. You know, sometimes people will just set up and they're like, I usually run a little card game. And so sometimes in the evenings, I will set up in there and people could just come and play my Star Trek Cards Against Humanity game with me uh, if they want to. It's usually a big hit. Um, but, you know, it's just it's just general tables. And then they usually have clips playing from Star Trek, which tend to repeat. Uh, I wish they would just show episodes. I thought that I think that would be great, but they never do that. They just used to have clips playing. Now it's not a licensed show anymore. So I guess they're not doing that. But uh, I would I would love to see that come back if they ever get the license. They did that a couple, I think the last year they had the license, they were playing episodes and it was incredible. You know, you're paying all this money to be at this convention. And I found myself just plopping myself in a chair and spending two hours watching episodes of Star Trek that I could totally do at home, but it's a different <laughs> environment and there's more fans there. So it was a totally different experience. That's right. Um, but in the evening too, I know Trace Masterson has some happy hour festivities. Um, I've seen her sing in there. She has an incredible voice. Um, have either of you had the chance to pop in and see any of those evening events, Marina? Uh, no, I have to admit. I mean, I, when she just started doing that, I did went to a couple of the first ones. And then it just happens that, uh, you know, by that time, I tend to have something else arranged. There would be either a meetup somewhere or I'm going to dinner with my friend somewhere so the evenings tend to be quite busy on the uh you know after the convention hours are over so i usually run away somewhere uh but in the beginning when she just started doing that i did attend uh i think two of her uh and um concerts well, the mini concerts mini performances and i have to second and definitely check it out because first of all she's she's a wonderful person she's extremely talented she has a wonderful voice um and it's yeah it's definitely something to kind of like even if it's you're thinking like, well, check mark just to check out what what's what the convention has to offer. But beyond that, it's probably some, something to check out. Yeah, I think it's if memory serves, she's there all, like every day at five o'clock to do a set. Yeah, I think the yes. schedule says uh, yeah. Thursday to Saturday That's yeah, correct. every night. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I'll add for Jimmy's place as well is typically before the gala, before the Rat Pack, um, it is the closest and only location in the convention facility where you can grab a drink right beforehand. So if you're looking for some uh, cocktails before either of those events, that's the closest and best place to grab those. Um, but we've talked about the main theater, the theaters, the Jimmy's Place. Um, beyond that, the promenade area, as the, they describe it, 
Um, this is kind of a fancy way of saying the hallways. <laughs> um, but being a Star <laughs> Trek convention, they are anything but boring. Uh, John, tell us a little bit about what the promenade area is and what that includes. Yeah, it's really just the main corridor. Um, and if anyone's interested, you can go to the RIA website and download the floor plan for the convention area. And the Star Trek convention takes up the whole thing. So it's just the main hallway. But they don't just let it be a main hallway. There are little things set up every so many feet. Um, There's some of the extra rooms that they have are set up with exhibits. And, you know, what that can be can change from year to year. Um, one year they had a Lego thing set up in there. Uh, one year CBS brought a, a museum thing uh, with some props from the show. So you can have who knows what kind of stuff. You know, they used to have a triple thing. Uh, they had a balloon enterprise one year. So there's all kinds of kooky uh, silly stuff set up in there, which is really fun. It's just a place to go and take some photos and hang out and talk with people. Uh, one year they had a caricature person. Um, I remember another year they had a, a, a gaming company that had made a, a really complicated like Star Trek uh, Empire board game, like where you, you know, play one of the major factions and they, they had people coaching you how to play it. I mean, you never know what you're going to find. Uh, it's really great, really fun. And it's all just part of the convention. You just go and enjoy it and see what they have. Um, I, it, it seems to change from year to year, but it's always a lot of fun. Fantastic. Marina, anything yeah. to add about the, the, Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, well, it's a really big corridor and it's a huge plus, especially for those who have attended uh, comic cons of various sizes and who know how much the space tends to be at premium at various conventions. It's a nice thing to have because well, I suppose on Saturday it feels pretty full, especially if a big panel suddenly lets out out of main theater. We have, you know, uh, for all intents and purposes, a traffic jam. But for the most part, it's enough room to to for people to actually circulate and move between the rooms fairly comfortably. What's more, like occasionally, uh, when they set up for photo ops, you can have some of the cues spilling out into the corridor, and there's still enough room for people actually to stand against the walls and not really interfere with people moving around. So yeah, the promenade is certainly a nice thing. Of course, you can just stand in the middle of it and just chat with your friends or your you know new acquaintances or just random strangers at Star Trek. Um, uh, like John said, you know, so sometimes they set up in the corridor itself, not not even the rooms outside. Like there was one year where uh, Roddenberry Archive actually had wonderful panels dedicated to the 100th anniversary of Roddenberry's birthday. And at the end of that, that particular year, they auctioned them off. So that was like, uh, you know, one, a, a fantastic thing to just kind of, you know, read about his life because it was like everything it was photographs. It was, you know, some um, quotes from him and so on. And then, it, you know, there was a nice charity auction and all the monies went uh, to a charity. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what the, what we will have. You know, this year feels a little bit, I don't know, every time I think about it, considering that it's like three months left, you know, and it's supposed to be the last event uh, specifically at Rio. So presumably next year we're going to we're going to be at the new venue. So I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to see what what we'll have. Maybe Roddenberry will bring some new feature, seeing how we have now this, uh, you know, well, virtual archive being brought into existence. Um, I don't know, maybe something. <laughs> yeah, they, well, they had that uh, a couple of years ago. They had that virtual experience Starbase room where you could that you'd, you'd walk in there and they put you in a VR setup and you'd be walking through the Starbase and could check it out. So Roddenberry had that. So you never know what you're going to find. I, I will say one thing, though, uh, which is last year we we're at Bally's. Bally's had a lot of issues, a lot of problems. But the one thing that Bally's had, which was very good, was the tertiary theater. It was an actual theater that had plenty of seating and there were no issues. The, the tertiary theater was fantastic at the Bally's. That was the one nice thing I could say about it. 
Yes, unfortunately, the story is up in the air and a lot of people missed it out. I actually tried to kind of engage people to see how, you know, did you go to see this? Did you go to do that? And then people are like, no, it's on 26th floor. I'm not going. And I'm like, oh, God, you missed out all this fantastic programming, which is why I'm thrilled for those people who are going for the first time. At least we're on. That's why I was saying, you know, like, it's an organized thing that has worked for a decade where you, you know, there's your main theater and on the same floor, you have all the rest of the facilities. So you can just very easily to move around. I think that's key. When you look at if you've been to the Bally's convention, which I did not attend, unfortunately, um, if you went to Star Trek Mission Chicago, the venues were laid out where there was a lot of walking back and forth to get things done. Um, not that you're not going to get your steps in because you will get some steps in at this convention. Um, but realistically, all the three stages are relatively close to each other, where it's during one panel, you can get up and hop around and go to all three for a brief moment um, without losing your breath or, or needing a, a break <laughs> along the way. Um, but yeah, having said that, so the promenade, there's a lot to see and do in the hallways there. Um, in the past, even after they creation lost the license, there was the Enterprise Bridge, um, which I don't think it was called the Enterprise Bridge, but we have seen photo ops with the performers there. Oddly enough, three months out, we don't see that on the schedule right now, so I'm not sure if the bridge will be there. Um, there's been the 10 forward set where you can get photo ops with some of the talent. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what's there. There's always something new and exciting that'll pop up. A lot of this uh, usage of the venue that's available to creation, it all depends on what kind of um, scheduling they have. Occasionally, they try to add some of the rooms and sometimes they remove them like... Uh, um, once we were in Rio for some years, there was definitely demand for, uh, you know, a quiet room, quotation marks, basically a place where you can, and, uh, especially those people who do tend to be, you know, a little bit uneasy with a lot of, you know, big crowds, a lot of noise, a lot of lights, you know, there is a space where you can actually go to kind of like relax for a little bit. Or if you have small children with you, that certainly is a useful place to go just because kind of like, you know, uh, if the kids get a little bit too frazzled. Um are we going to have something like this? Do they have all the usual spaces actually booked for the convention this year? We simply don't know at this stage because we don't have, it's far too early to know. We don't have the maps or anything else yet. Uh, but I'm sure we will at some point. And I'm really looking hope, you know, I'm hopeful that we, we have, uh, you know, things basically back as, you know, as close as they possibly were before the pandemic, hopefully, or before the valleys at least. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, like we said, looking at that, there's the, the next big part of the layout is the vendor's room, um, which to hold to last as if it's not a big part of the convention is definitely not true. Uh, so, Marina, tell us a little bit about what people can expect in the vendor's room who have never been to this convention before. Um, wonderful place to check out stuff because you have um, a combination uh, of both licensed vendors. Uh, so you will definitely see someone like the weight team or fan sets um, and vendors who tend to like the sort of people you probably will see at a Comic-Con where you have like a little bit of everything and it's older collectibles, newer collectibles. You sort of like have everything arranged, you know, action figures and plates and pins and what have you. Um, and it's it's a fun place to just check out because you can find really nice deals. You can come across some collectible that, you know, maybe you've never even seen it. You haven't been on sale anywhere for decades for all, you know. And yet, you know, you'll be walking through and there it is on the table and you might, you know, get it added to a convention and be super, super happy. Um, and then, of course, a vendor's room is also used as a sort of, uh, you know, part of, um, well, actor experience because 
that's those actors who have their own tables that's where they will have um that, that that's where they will be located usually against the wall they tend to separate and uh, discovery people tend to sit all together the tng people tend to sit all together so you're going to have like mostly against the walls of the on the left and on the right hand side of the vendor room you will have tables of actors that you would just go up and uh, you know uh, grab an autograph do a selfie whatever it is that you're planning to do uh, everybody who has their own table is identified on the convention website so check it out if you want to know who's actually going to be in the vendors room versus doing um, official autographing sessions or official photo op sessions uh, through creation um, and it's of the vendor room you know that's one of the reasons why I find the pre-registration so much fun and the, you know that it really is part of my own uh, convention experience very, very much. So exactly because I can go in and just be immersed right from the get go before the convention actually officially has officially started. Um, and uh, yeah, t-shirts, sign things. Um, for those who are looking for, actually for something to sign, you can probably find like an action figure or maybe a um, you know a ship model or something else. Um, eight by tens, no. There is a special uh, creation. Will have a separate uh, um, a photo table with eight by ten photographs available of everybody who's attending the convention, so you can grab it there. Uh, although uh, something to be said, the actors who do have their own tables in the vendors room will have a selection of their own, and so if there is some role of theirs that is not Star Trek that you might be interested in, they will probably be the only ones who might have something like that. Perfect. And John, what are the highlights of the vendor's room for you? Well, the, when I think of the vendor's room, I think of really three different kinds of things that you'll see. And Marina touched on some of this. So you'll have people who are selling essentially collectibles slash like old stuff, you know? So if you're looking for, you know, a certain Playmates action figure that came out in 1996, like there's somebody who might be selling that there or they're selling toys from the 80s or, you know, who knows what. Um, you'll have other vendors that are selling newer stuff, like brand new stuff. So you, you might have like the Star Trek. So you might have the Star Trek wines people or the Star Trek cruise people or people who are current licensees selling, you know, uh, new things like books and, and so forth. Um, you may also have fan run organizations that are having tables there. So like maybe like a Star Trek online group might have a table or the local uh, USS Las Vegas fan club might have a table. I don't know if they're going to be there this year. They, they usually are. Uh, there's a Klingon group that's there sometimes or like some of the LGBTQ groups will have a thing. And then there's also vendors that I would describe as people who are just taking a flyer. Uh, meaning that they're not even doing any sci-fi or fantasy stuff. They just bought a table at the Star Trek convention and they might be selling jewelry or knives or just like weird stuff that has nothing to do with anything, but they're there. And uh, you know, makeup. Right. yeah, it, yeah, there was a, a iPhone case vendor one year. I mean, you never know what you're going to find. It's really weird stuff. Um, I remember one year there was a credit union that was trying to sign people up for accounts. I mean, you, you never know what you're going to get uh, in the vendor's room. Um, one thing I hope that we don't see this year is that there was at least one Marina is much more better at this stuff than I am with the recollecting of things. But uh, there was one year where they actually had to split the vendors room into two different rooms. And I think that the vendors who were in that secondary room, which was much smaller, did not get the foot traffic, um, which was, you know, it's kind of a great thing to have, you know, a lot of vendors, yeah. but um, those that were in that other room, they, they kind of didn't get as much exposure as the people who were in the main room. Yeah. That was the one that, that was the 50th anniversary. And the main reason was that there was not enough room for them because we had this huge Mac 
uh, I, I don't even know what to call this thing, this giant round podium that they had to advertise Star Trek themed Mac product. Um, and because of that, they had to move the vendors and the, the signers into other rooms. So we had actually, there were, I think there were two rooms uh, where, where some of the vendors and the, the, some of the signing actors were seated. And of course, yeah, a lot of people did not realize that that was the case. They just thought, well, there were fewer vendors because, you know, some of the big guns took up the space. Um, but yeah, that only happened one year. And thankfully, you know, the well, no, we had fantastic celebration. Don't get me wrong on 50th. But the following year, things went back to the usual um, vendors room layout, where it's just one vendor room. And, you know, you don't have any kind of like little secondary things. Other rooms were taken up by exhibits or other things. I'll add for the vendors room too that it's it's set up almost like a flea market and that everybody has a booth and there's you name it it's in yeah. there but it's for me I often find myself skipping panels and meandering around the vendors room for the 30th time uh, the merchandise doesn't change but there's so much stuff in this room that you can miss it if you if you're not paying attention so it's really it, it's easy to get lost in that vendors room and just get overwhelmed with the stuff so definitely take your time you're there absolutely. for a whole week absolutely what, yeah. what's more i always yeah i always suspect that there's who knows maybe who, whichever vendor that came in maybe some un, unpacked boxes still that they have somewhere under the table and maybe this 20th time that i'm passing by maybe they will put out something that i haven't seen before <laughs> it hasn't happened yet but i'm kind of always hopeful because you never know what you're gonna find um, another useful thing about vendors room is that it, you must stop by on Sunday because that things were starting to wrap up and, uh, that's when vendors, whatever is remaining will start to offer discounts. Um, you know, obviously it's easier for them to, to, uh, sell more things rather than to wrap up everything they have and pack it up and move it on to whichever other next event that they going to. Um, so it definitely stop by on Sunday for, for, for discounted things. Absolutely. So physically, we've talked about most of the layout. The only other area, and we're not going to talk about it too much now because we'll be talking about this in a little bit more detail, is the photo op area. Um, it's a room that's set aside where they do photo ops. <laughs> um, we'll talk about what the photo op experience looks like and what autographs look like in just a bit. Um, but the next big chunk of our podcast this evening is talking about the schedule, um, something that, you know, it, it's the content for the for the convention. So Marina, I'm going to let you kick this off because I know you are a planner. Um, so the first question I'll ask is, when does the schedule come out? We're 94 days away. We can get expect to see this thing at least a month out ahead of time, right? Yep. <laughs> now, well, the generic answer is roughly within a week before the convention starts. Now, realistically, it's highly dependent on uh, on a year because we've had quite quite a few, I don't know, well, the pandemic really threw in a wrench. Um, so realistically speaking, you can be as as close as a couple of days before the convention start it could be as well we everybody's already mostly in well not everybody but the bulk of the people who are coming like the tier tickets are probably already in the city and we still don't have the the schedule i mean last year was very last moment uh, i i definitely was already in las vegas and then you know like oh finally at least we, we have the we had the online version of it they didn't have time to actually print it properly so but but i'm pretty sure that the last year and the year before are sort of like standouts i'm kind of again i'm hopeful that things this year will be a little bit um I don't know, more like things were before the pandemic where, yeah, within roughly 
uh, a week to a couple of days before the convention start, you will have uh, either a PDF or an Excel version on uh, posted on the website. And then once you arrive at the convention, you have a nice printed booklet, which a lot of people keep as collectibles or use for signings when they're at the convention. Um, so we have a four-day event. So all the schedule is precisely for those days. You know, pre-registration is just mentioned as the hours in uh, in that schedule. Um, and different days have different different schedules very much. I mean, you can start as late as I mean what's the latest start we've had probably like maybe 11 12 on the day well that, that was mostly for the years where we had five days so uh you know the first day would be a little bit sort of like not half a day but you would start later normally it starts around nine uh I think Saturday being the earliest we have things happening closer to and occasionally you have very early panels like around 8 30 or something eight but typically it's around nine o'clock uh nine ten and then end of the uh, official hours is around between five and six. And then of course, you know, you have, we have the days where we have uh, late events. So, so we have the game on Saturday and we have a pack on Sunday. Otherwise everything that happens after hours uh, on the convention days tends to be fanized events and there are plenty. Perfect. And John, do you know the schedules? I, I didn't attend last year, but I know in years past they've had the printed schedule. Um, They've had an app. Was that, did they do that last year? I don't recall if they had an app in particular last year. I know they've done it at certain times. And one of the good things about when they've had the app is that when there's they been did. changes. They did. Okay. So they, they did have it last year. But when they've had changes, you were able to see it right away, which was great. Uh, you get some people who plan this thing out like, you know, the Normandy beach landings. And, you know, they've got this whole thing laid out. One of the problems that you're just going to have to contend with is that, you know, some of the people who are coming to this thing are working talent. And it's in all of their contracts that if they get a call up for a job, they're gone. They got to do that. So there are going to be changes in the schedule. So you got to kind of be flexible with that. And, you know, it's always disappointing, you know, to hear people say things like, uh, uh, oh, I wanted to go uh, to see Carl Urban. I flew all the way to Vegas. And it turns out that uh, he had to he had to go for a job and he wasn't there. You know, and people got very disappointed. So that kind of stuff happens. It's uh, it's very it's very sad. Uh, so, you know, just understand that that can happen and, you know, don't get your heart set on any particular working talents uh, being there. It's not limited to Las Vegas, like never plan and your convention experience around a single actor, because that's that's a recipe for disaster. Um, you know, you, it has to be uh, not an all inclusive or comprehensive, uh, you know, like, oh, I see everybody. No, but, it, it, you know, those especially if you have a long way to go to, to Vegas and coming for just a single actor. It's very, very risky. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely not recommend coming for a single, single, single guest. Especially to that, I'll say in 2021, whatever the first convention was after the pandemic, there were a lot of changes yeah. right up until the very last minute. I mean, especially if you were one of those gold ticket holders, yes. I think maybe a quarter of the autographs were changed within a week. Um, a few of them like literally during the convention um but creation does a very good yeah. job of trying to communicate this it, correct um, yeah yeah if you're in the main theater it'll be broadcast on the big i'm talking with my hands so that doesn't do any good um if you're in the main theater it'll be broadcast on the big screens um and if you're not i think following creation on twitter they do a very good job of tweeting updates in real time um so they, they sometimes struggle with communication but in this avenue i think following them on twitter is definitely something that is worth doing if you're going to the convention yeah the the other way if you don't use the app and uh you're not following them on twitter is they're posting updates like in the lobby on your way in yep. <laughs> that that's about it yeah 
Yeah. And I still see people going into the theater and being like, oh, I'm here for panel X, Y, or Z. And they're like, oh, that was canceled two days ago. <laughs> and they're just finding <laughs> out. So that's always disappointing. So stay on top of it, folks. Yeah. So looking at the, the schedule, um, like we said, a lot of the panels won't come out until a week beforehand, but we do get a lot of information on some of the larger events um, that we already know are happening. Um, so things like the Saturday Night Gala, which we've kind of talked about, um, is that something that you folks, you've been to these conventions a lot more than I have. Um, John, what has been your experience with the gala? Is it something that if you're, if you don't have that gold captains or copper ticket, if you're going GA like you, are you spending the $65 to go to the gala typically? So I have been to the gala before, and I think this is similar to something I talked about before, which is as I've gone to the convention over the years, my convention experience has changed a little bit. So it used to be that I was in for whatever was going on. So I needed to have my day booked with convention events. And so I was looking for the gala. I was going to the Rat Pack. I was going to all the things that that creation had provided. And I enjoyed it. And I thought they were all great. And if you're if it's your first, second, third, fourth, fifth time, and please go to those things. You will enjoy them and have a ball. Um, one of the things that I've noticed with a lot of convention attendees is that the more that they go to STLV or to the Comic-Cons or any convention, really, is that you sort of fall in with, with a crowd. And then you start getting invited to these fan events or room parties or going out to dinner with other people or they're putting on a special event or you're a member of a of a fan group that's going to have a special event. And so I found that my evenings tended to be booked up with other things that were not in the convention schedule. They were things where people invited me. Um, and so and sometimes those things were I was already stacked double and triple booked on a on a Saturday night with people having different events, um, especially on the big nights like Friday, Saturday. Uh, so I have gone less to those things um, as time has gone on. So I tend not to go to the, at any of the extras. And that's why I'm, I'm more of a general ticket goer this year. I'm going to go for all the days of the convention, but I'm not going to go to the gala or any of those, any of that stuff anymore, uh, typically because I just got some other thing that's that that I'm invited to. And Marina, what are your thoughts on the gala? Yeah. Um, it all depends on what it is, to be honest. Uh, the most frequent guest, so to speak, and it's a guest, guest in quotation marks, uh, has been Nevada Pops Orchestra. They actually play the music from various Star Trek series and movies. And very often you have invited con uh, conductors who are the actual composers of the sad music. So we've, we've had Dennis McCarthy. We've had uh, Russo. We had, you know, it, it's actually quite amazing there it is that's the person who actually wrote this conducting this in front of you it's an amazing experience um having said that i have to agree with john and I'm, i've kind of been the same way there are certain things that i stopped attending some years ago uh gala is a little bit different because again it depends what it is and we've had some variability to that we've had uh, one year where we had um, anthony rap singing and um uh, oh gosh, who else joined him on stage? It, it, it was different. It was different from the usual, uh, just purely Star Trek music. Uh, we've had, uh, I probably out of the uh, sort of unusual ones, my favorite probably was Star Trek Does Broadway. This is 2014, I want to say, something thereabouts, ages ago. That was tremendous because we've actually had songs from various Broadway musicals sung by those of the more musical of our actors. So Bob Picardo was there. James Darren was there. Uh, Chase Masterson did amazing, you know, speaking of Chase Masterson, an amazing version of all that jazz that I've probably heard. And uh, But things like that are rare. I'm They haven't announced yet what we're going to have this year in particular. I suspect it might be 
pops again, simply because, you know, that's probably the most straightforward thing to arrange. But who knows? You know, maybe it's going to be Tim Ross and his band. You know, those 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 guys are incredible. So we'll see. Uh, I Something I need to point out, because this comes up uh, every single year when people ask, well, what exactly is the gala? Gala is just a fancy name for it. It literally is just a concert, an evening performance. There is no dinner component to it. It's not, you don't have anything. You don't have to dress up for it. It's not, you know, like it's not a black tie event. Um, so it's just a, a very nice musical evening performance that the creation throws every year um and we'll see i'm actually looking again like uh, pretty much everything about this year's convention i've uh, seen how we're saying the last word out to, to rio i'm curious to see what they're going to announce um you know i suspect it's going to be another uh, symphonic uh, concert but maybe not who knows you hit the nail right on the head too as far as the attire goes um gala it sounds really fancy if you're there in a t-shirt and shorts, you'll be in great company. <laughs> you know, there are people in cosplay. There are people who do dress up, but I think that is very much the minority. Um, it's, it's a very informal, all of the events at this convention are very informal. So come as your, as your dress. Um, Absolutely. We talked about the, yeah. We talked about the Rat Pack. Um, I don't know if either of you have any more to add to that event. I will just say that that the Rat Pack for me is one of my favorite ways to close the convention down. It's just fun. It's lighthearted and it's really entertaining. All right. Then we move on to karaoke. Um, karaoke is held twice throughout the convention. Uh, Thursday night by Dominic Keating and Con Connor Trenier. Um, Friday right now they've announced Robert O'Reilly. Typically, I think he's joined by J.G. Hertzler as well. Um, I'll be honest. I've never attended karaoke. Um, so do either of you have the pipes to to stand up and sing for karaoke? Have you ever participated, John? I have been to the karaoke. Um, I would not uh, subject anyone to my singing. But <laughs> the one thing I just want to say about karaoke, uh, just for, for all the Star Trek fans out there, which, of course, you are if you're listening to this, which is every time Faith of the Heart comes on, the, <laughs> the crowd goes wild and nobody, and I mean nobody, is upset or annoyed or walks out. Everybody loves it every single time end of story love that oh and by the way um and marina please check me on this i don't actually believe you need a ticket to go to karaoke i think it's free to everybody i believe so yeah it's one of those events sort of like you know yeah you just, just show up and enjoy it and i have to <laughs> i have to admit i am not a karaoke person at all and this is one event that in my 13 years i, I have never attended even once friends who are completely gone over there was one year where I'm assuming there was some sort of um, schedule issues, you know, it's going to be just one karaoke Thursday and uh, fans rose, you know, raised a whole lot of stink about it online. And they said, OK, I guess we're having two karaoke's again. <laughs> so uh, but no, unfortunately, uh, uh, no personal experience. I know it's one of the enjoyable parts and more power to you. If this is your thing, definitely go, because again, it's yet another fan experience during this wonderful event. And speaking of events you don't need a ticket for, um, there's a movie screening that was announced this year. Um, creation sent an email out back, I want to say in February, maybe asking people to vote as to what movie they'd like to see screened. And it looks like Star Trek for the voyage home, the one with the whales, uh, one. So this is going to be something that's exciting. They haven't announced when it will be screening yet. Um, but a convention pass is not required to attend this. Um, they've done this in the past. Did either of you attend in 2021? They did galaxy quest, um, with Anthony Montgomery doing commentary. One of the very best Star Trek films. How could you miss it? So much fun. So much fun. Yes. <laughs> so I yes. don't believe this is going to no, have I the did not attend because but... I, I had one of those conflicts, which uh, John mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but 
which it should be still fun, even though we've seen this, uh, I don't know, a hundred times probably. It, it is one of my favorite movies with, with the original series cast. Uh, it's still there. It, there is something about sitting in a big room filled with other Star Trek fans and just watching this. And it doesn't matter which, you know, whatever it is, it is that you're watching. It's still, it just, it's so much fun to do this with other people. So, yeah, definitely. If I, if I, I don't have any any conflicts with with other things I might be invited to. I, I I'm I'm probably gonna go. Perfect. It, it is. It's fun. It's just watching these shows with other Trek fans. You're all gonna get the the inside jokes. It's just it's a whole different experience. Um, that leads us into the cosplay contest, which is being held Saturday. Uh, I have not been a big cosplayer. It's it's something I would love to do. I don't have the talent for it. Um, but John, I know you have done cosplay in the past. Have you yes. participated in the cosplay contest? Absolutely not, nor will I. Um, and and I that is not anything against the, the people who do that. But I just want to say you have to think about what your convention experience is and what you want it to be. Um, those who go to the cosplay contest as uh, uh, people who want to participate in the contest, what you have to acknowledge is that your Saturday is going to be spent waiting in lines and not being at the convention, doing convention things. Um, it takes a lot of time throughout the day. There's a lot of prejudging and a lot of other stuff that goes on. So being in the cosplay contest takes a lot of time out of the convention for you. Whereas uh, if you just want to go to like the final judging and see people in the, in the outfits and whatever, that's great. I mean, absolutely. You should do that. If you enjoy seeing the creativity that people bring to that stuff and, and you want to go and celebrate that you should, it's a great time. But for me, when I do a cosplay and I've done some fairly elaborate things, I just want to go and be seen by people and interact with them. Cause I tend to play a character. Like it's not just John in a costume, you know, I, I tend to do a shtick. Uh, so I want to go do that. And that's what I want my experience to be. And, you know, going out and getting my picture taken with people and hamming it up and having a good time. Um, I do not like my convention experience to be standing in lines, which is why I tend not to do the cosplay contest. And I tend not to be a photo op guy uh, or an autograph guy, because that to me is just too much standing in lines and waiting around. And that's that's not for me. Um, if you like that stuff, it's great. No judgment. I'm not saying anything bad about that. Um, it's just that I like to be social and be talking to the other people and doing the stuff. So you have to think very carefully about that. Cause I've talked to some of the people who've been in the contest and they, you know, especially people who their first time, they're like, I had no idea it was going to be that long <laughs> that they were going to be locked in a room uh, doing the prejudging and all that stuff. So um, it's all about what you want to go to the convention for, what you want your experience to be. Think deliberately about that and then go have maximum fun and just go into it knowing what you're getting into. I could not agree more. What's more, I have some of the friends who are coming to conventions and it's not limited to Vegas strictly to do cosplay, like cosplay, capital C. That's all they do throughout the entire event. They don't do go to any panels. They don't do too many autographs, actually probably none or no autographs, maybe some photo ops, especially if they're cosplaying somebody who's who played a character that they're cosplaying. Uh, but otherwise it's everything about actually, you know, having this experience with the, the costumes that they have created. Um, again, it's just one way of experiencing the convention. Um, I've never cosplayed anything beyond uniforms and I uh, actually stopped after the 50th anniversary because unfortunately I gained weight. So I have to kind of, beat myself back into shape and you know probably go back to it because i do enjoy my voyager uniform a lot um 
So that is actually something that would not qualify. Uh, the cosplay contest uh, at STLV is a, a, a rather elaborate affair. It is something that, you know, you can't just buy a costume and think that you, you will get through prejudging. They're actually very strict about, you know, how you made it, what you made it out of. You have to have like a whole story about the thing that you created. And then, uh, yeah, you, you actually, if you do get through prejudging and go on the stage, the judges will ask you about it, you know, like... You know, did you make it yourself? How did you make it? What did you made out of? Like, you know, they might call you up and actually ask for specifics about, you know, whatever feature of your costume. So cosplay contest, yeah, for those who are just watching it, it's pure pleasure because it's it's fun to see the interaction between the folks who come out on the stage and the judges. And then, of course, yeah, you, you, you know, it's fun to see, like, who's going to win? We, we see some pretty incredible costumes out there. Fabulous. And then the last event that they mentioned on the website are auctions. Um, I will say, I remember my first convention, really, I was excited for these. I'm like, this is going to be a great opportunity to bid on some screen-used items. Not necessarily the case. Um, these are creation auctions, so you're seeing a lot of autographs going up. Um, John, Marina, have either of you ever participated in the auctions, bid on any of the auction items? Yes. Uh, when I just started going, I, I thought it was... Amazing. Same deal. I thought, look, maybe I will score some amazing piece for my collaging. And then I realized that, well, some of the things I would not, it was just something that I was not interested in because I simply, I, well, I don't watch actually as much television, you know, beyond stuff trick, I suppose. Um, so yeah, creation will have whole packets of, uh, you know, like a, a combination of, of uh, signed eight by tens from um, other, um, other series that they have, conventions for so supernatural and vampire diaries and xena and that sort of thing so you know, yeah if, if you're enjoying those things it's a fantastic way to score like a whole packet you know like 10 12 15 well not 50 I'm, I'm i'm exaggerating okay so 12 to 50, to 20 maybe you know like little packs of, of uh, signed eight by tens by by actors from a given series um i enjoy seeing banners this is something that creation still still does auction off and that's the banners that they used to have as decorations which if you do have an actor whose picture on there. So for example, you know, Shatner's banners come up pretty often. And if William Shatner's at the convention and you win that auction for that banner, you actually have the ticket, the autograph ticket included with it. So you can go to front of the line along with the VIPs of uh, folks with mobility issues and actually get your giant banner signed by William Shatner during his autographing session. Um, occasionally they do get stuff, something they call, you know, either things from Creations Vault or Runberry's Vault, where something will come up where I don't know, somebody somewhere presumably opened the box and discovered, you know, those uh, Spock decanters, for example, something that was produced way back in the 80s, I believe, and they're no longer being sold. You can probably just only find them on eBay and they will auction off a couple. There was one year where they did have um, Nimoy's ears nicely framed in a you know nice little shadow box. I think those went for several thousands of dollars. So participating is an operative word. You know, it's fun to kind of sit down and see what people come up with. Uh, you know, are you going to actually win anything? <laughs> that I don't know. I guess it depends on what you can afford. Last year, I actually got lucky. I found, I managed to win a very nice signed photo of uh, Major Barrett, not in costume. It was just, just a nice headshot of hers. And the only reason that this happened is, again, because the room where they had it, and I don't remember if it was the secondary or the tertiary stage, it was on 26th floor. There weren't that many people 
who actually showed up for the auction. So I got lucky <laughs> because I'm sure a lot of people would have been interested. It was a lovely photo. So, um, yeah, generally I just go to kind of like to see what, what comes up. And I don't know, it's just fun to see somebody else kind of get the item and be incredibly excited about it, which is always very evident. So again, just another part of the convention experience. So moving on to our next big topic, something very important to a lot of us, myself included, is food. Where are we eating during this convention? Um, just to look at the general layout, there are, according to their websites, 13 restaurants at the Rio, eight restaurants at the Gold Coast right across the street, and a brand new shopping center right across the street from the Gold Coast, all of which within walking distance. Um, if you're like me, I love DoorDash and Grubhub. Um, I'll do a Walmart run when I get there. But just kind of round robin, what do you guys do for food during the convention? John, I'm going to start with you because you're a local and you might know some of sure. these places better than anyone. Sure. And and so I'm actually, this is an area where I'm trying to save money on my convention experience. I'm, I'm not really interested in spending money on the strip. Um, now, it used to be at the Rio that with a locals ID and with a total rewards card, I got a discount at some of these places. But even then, I still wasn't spending a lot of money in the restaurants. So typically what I do is I will go to the Smiths, uh, which is our local grocery store here, which is actually Kroger. If people know what that is, the same thing, but it just locally it's called Smiths, but it's Kroger. And I will buy and put in my fridge in the room, which all the rooms in the Rio had fridges is I will bring my own breakfast and lunch every day. And so when you see me running around the convention, I usually have a little backpack on and my lunch is in there in a little uh, in a little um, lunchbox. And so I'm usually watching like the auctions that we just talked about and all that stuff, like in the back, like nibbling on my yogurt and a sandwich or whatever it is that I choose to bring with me. So I'm not going out for breakfast at Hash House. I'm not going uh, for lunch at any of those places. I'm bringing all of that and just spending one big amount of money uh, at, at the grocery store and then eating all of that. And I'll typically go out for dinner at night, uh, usually with a group or, you know, one of my groups of friends or I have an event that I bought a ticket for, uh, whether it's a creation provided event or something I'm doing on my own uh, or with a group. Um, and so I'm going out that way. So that's what I'm doing. Um, I've enjoyed some of the food at the Rio from time to time when they used to, they used to have the Indian restaurant. I don't know if it's still there anymore. Um, I've eaten there. I've eaten at Guy Fieri's place. Also good. Uh, I, if I just really didn't have a place to go and didn't have an event, I used to just go to that American restaurant that was right there in the casino and just eat at the bar there, um, and just strike up conversations with the people around me. So always had a great time. Um, there's lots of food available. Um, one thing that I remember used to be a pretty decent value um, not as good a value as the tertiary theater was uh the sports bar uh the sports pub had a little uh cafeteria kind of place that you could get something that was reasonably priced like if you want a slice of pizza and a soda that's where you could go um if they didn't have what you wanted at uh, jimmy's place so uh, i don't know how that's going to be this year there's been a lot of changes at the rio so we'll have to see uh, if any of that is still there so that's kind of what i did uh, the grocery store is right up the road at Flamingo and Decatur. It's a really close uh, Uber or Lyft if you want to do that. Uh, or if you want to go to Walmart, you can get, of course, anything you want there. And also, if you want to buy yourself some alcohol and save money that way, you can too. Uh, here in Las Vegas, we don't have blue laws, if people know what those are. So uh, grocery stores sell beer, wine, and liquor, and that includes Walmart and all the regular grocery stores as well. Um, they don't shut that stuff down uh, unless a particular store chooses to um they can but that stuff can be sold legally 24 7 365 here 
So you can save some money if that's what you want to do uh, by going to the store. And that's that's what I do. Um, in my Marina. case, it's uh, sort of a combination of saving and, um, I don't know, being as efficient with my time while I'm at the convention. I, I'm not sure if that's the right way to, to describe it. Basically, uh, once I arrive to Las Vegas, I normally, you know, hopefully get an early check-in at uh, Rio, which is where I will be staying this year as well. And then I normally head out, well, me and my sister normally, we would head out to the Strip to do whatever, whether we're going to a gallery somewhere, we're going to a museum, we're meeting up with friends for lunch, whatever. And once we're done, uh, we normally would stop by either Walmart or Walgreens or elsewhere and stock up on, you know, bananas and yogurts and I don't know, juices and what have you. And that's going to be really that plus, you know, using Starbucks, that's we have actually two Starbucks in Rio. That's going to be the main thing that we would have. Like I normally when I go to the convention, I don't leave the convention floor unless I have something specifically scheduled. And I haven't had that in, in you know, all these years. So uh, by the time the you know, five, six o'clock comes around and I'm finally done with the convention, that's when I actually would have any kind of outside food. Otherwise, I will have, you know, my little bag inside my backpack that would have my juice and my banana and I don't know croissant that I wrapped up in the morning and I will just, you know, eat my groceries during the day. After hours, that's when, you know, I'm no longer saving money. That's when I'm going to actually go out and have a nice dinner someplace in a nice restaurant on the Strip or if there is a meetup that's arranged elsewhere in uh, in the hotel or in the neighboring hotel, I'm, you know, I will do and partake in whatever's available there. So that's kind of like a sort of like a dual thing. There's a saving, time-saving, money-saving thing during the convention hours and then actually going out and having, you know, fun and unhealthy meals elsewhere in the city. Um, having said that, you know, I can recommend some very nice restaurants out there on the Strip that are fantastic, but it is something that really is you're not you're not going to do that during the convention hours because there's simply no time to do so. So, um my recommendation is definitely to look into some groceries, at least, you know, like water and some basic things, because it does save um, time and money if you kind of have that, because, um, you know, the the little shop that we have in Rio, everything that they're selling there, the sodas and everything is kind of uh, overpriced. Unless you're like, you're really, really strapped for time and you just need it now, then it makes sense. Otherwise, you know, before before the convention starts, make sure to stop by a grocery store. Having said that, I have to bring up something that the local Star Trek club, La USS Las Vegas, arranges uh, at least one, normally two, rides to Walmart. Um, Ellie Ingman, you know, shout out. She does a lot of stuff for STLV, including a very nice... Uh, basically a guide that she puts together with all the information about, you know, the foods and the medical stuff and the events happening. So she's the one who organizes this. Uh, be sure to, if you're on Facebook, um, uh, join uh, one of the sister groups of, of uh, Star Trek convention experiences, and that is USS Rio, because she, know, she would normally post the link advertising that this is when it's going to be a ride to Walmart, and you can join in with a group of fellow fans and just stop by and, you know, uh, stock up on things for the week. One uh, money-saving tip I forgot to mention is, uh, and this might only be for me because I'm local. I, I don't know if this makes sense for other people, but I actually went out to the thrift store and I bought a small coffee maker, a small drip coffee maker for $5 uh, that makes like four cups of regular coffee at a time. And I bring that to the hotel with me and I make my own coffee in the morning and I buy those uh, uh, insulated cups with the lids. 
And so even in the morning, so I will drink three large coffees a day. Uh, so I'm not spending any money at the Starbucks again, because I don't want my convention experience to be about standing in lines. And so this is a chance where I get to not stand in lines and save money. So I'm doing both of those things at the same time. I don't know if it makes sense for other people to bring one of those little coffee makers, but that's what I do. Oh, and that, that works actually perfectly. And this act does come up because Rio used to have coffee makers in their rooms, in their suites. And at some point, I'm assuming there must have been something that happened happened but there was like well for uh you know fire protection fire security this is no you know coolers refrigerators but the coffee makers are no more so you know i i am i don't know i i am because i travel with a very limited luggage space i don't bring a little coffee maker with me but and i, I just get up really really early you know Like, like if you go up like 6 30 seven o'clock there's usually nobody at Starbucks unless it's like people coming back from whatever really really late parties <laughs> but that's uh not the norm so usually uh I just go up really or you know get up really early to get my coffee I'm with John I I own a coffee shop so coffee I will drink three cups of coffee before I leave the hotel room um so you can get a five cup coffee maker at Walmart for 10 bucks and it is well worth it you'll still see me in line at Starbucks Um, because I like the iced coffee as well. But, you know, be prepared that uh, Vegas prices is not the same pricing as you have at home. Um, your Starbucks is almost double what you'll pay um, back home. Um, and well, then the line is also going to be twice as long as you're used to. Um, that well, line for these Starbucks is crazy. Well, let me just clarify that, Ron. Starbucks in the hotels is not the Starbucks that's out in the neighborhoods. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 very different. It's just think of it like being, you know, Starbucks in the airport, you know, whatever city you're in. Um, it's not the same price that you would have out in the neighborhoods. And that's the same thing. Same thing is true here. Absolutely. Um, and to that point, there is, we mentioned the shopping center that opened right across the street from the Gold Coast a couple of years ago. Um, in that shopping center, which is within walking distance, especially at, if you're at the Gold Coast, if you're at the Rio, it's not a bad walk. Um, there's a Walgreens. So if you can't make a ride to Walmart, yeah. you can grab a case of water there. Um, it's going to be a walk back lugging that. Uh, there's a Chick-fil-A, a Del Taco, a Denny's. Um, there's a fish taco place. So there are affordable options right there as well. Um, one of my breakfast hacks, because I love breakfast. I like think it's the best way to start the day. Um, being on East Coast time, I'm usually up by 5 a.m. So DoorDash will deliver breakfast to the hotel. Um, and it's cheap. It's fast. I can get ready while it's being delivered. It gets there. I can watch a Star Trek on my iPad while I'm eating it. And then get down to the convention before anything starts. Um, but there's definitely ways out there to save some money. And I'm with you both. I think it's once you're there, Vegas has some incredible restaurants. But we're all in convention mode. So it's really hard to get away and do these really great dining experiences on the strip. Um, but yeah, it's it's all how you choose to spend your convention. Yeah. So the last piece we're going to talk about on this episode is talking about photo ops and autographs. Um, something that I know I am a big fan of is both of them. Um, we'll start with photo ops and just kind of how exactly do photo ops work? Um, So Marina, tell us how the creation photo ops work. If I buy a ticket through creation's website, what does that look like? Um, very straightforward, thankfully. Um, as a matter of fact, it's not very unlike uh, any other Comic-Con, if you've ever been to a Comic-Con, although it tends to be smaller simply because, you know, Star Trek Las Vegas is smaller compared to a typical Comic-Con. 
Um, you, so you buy a ticket, um, PDF, or you buy one a physical ticket at the door. Doesn't matter. Um, and quite literally, just make sure to show up roughly about fifteen minutes before your scheduled time. The official photo ops will be, you know, all outlined in the printed schedule, and you know, just queue up. You queue up, and uh, uh now I, I have to put like a little asterisk here to to kind of like I will be talking about a one photo op room because that has been the norm. Oh, you know, ever since STLV started, um, there was uh, an interview that Gary Berman from Creation did earlier this year. I, actually, sorry, the time perception is a little bit off. He did it last year where he was, you know, after the last year's convention was done, where it was mentioned that this year's Rio going to be the last. He mentioned something along the line of possibly doing a second photo op room precisely because, you know, the... <laughs> Follow-up area in Bally's was extremely strapped for space and people were standing on each other's heads. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, it's a, a bit of a hyperbole, but yeah, it was extremely tight. It wasn't working. So they, they kind of suggest that possibly they might be looking into doing two follow-up rooms. As it is, we don't know if that's going to be the case. Maybe that's not going to be the case if they, something's changed. Um, but usually it's been one room, so it's not like you're going to be lost somehow. It's just one place that says follow-ups on it. And there's a sort of like a snaking space formed out of tables where people just line up. You go in, there's a table with a staff member where you drop off your bags, you go up and flash, there you are. And you have a couple of seconds usually to say, you know, hello, how are you? I love you. But that's really it. You can't have, you know, any kind of like lengthy conversations or hand gifts or anything like this. It's not exactly time or place to to have a lengthy in interaction with a guest. Um, and, uh, and that's it. You know, so you had the photo taken, grab your bag and leave. Uh, now, photographer, fantastic photographer, um, the, the company that he travels with, they usually will do some color correction and make sure that the photo is actually, you know, you don't see, uh, I don't know, any wires or anything else that could be on the walls or on the floor. So they will color correct and adjust the photo before getting it printed, which is why we don't have Instaprint at STLV. Uh, it is something I know a lot of people wish for, especially if you have peop uh, the guests signing almost exactly after the photo op where the hopes are, I guess, supposed to have the photo to have it signed. Sadly, for the most part, that does not work in Vegas this way. You will have roughly about an hour, hour and a half before you get the photo in your hands. Um, there's normally uh, an area set up in the back uh, of the this photo op room with big tables where they lay out the printed copies and you just you know get in there through a separate door, grab your photo and go. Uh, there is a way to get a JPEG of the photo and they will have printed directions available in the, that's those same tables. Uh, and that normally you know in, involves... Um, uh, sending ten dollars to Chris with the number and you know which event that you went to in this case. Star Trek. Well, yeah, that's normally involves an email. They send you a link to to uh, uh, Google, uh, uh, not Google. I almost said Google Docs. Sorry, but basically they send you the link to download the photos after the fact. That usually happens after the convention. For that piece too, I know I I like the JPEGs. I think the quality is fantastic, and they email out two copies of each picture typically. Correct. They um, yeah they they sent out the original one, so you can sometimes see that. Oh, I I actually I can see that the the photographer probably leaned maybe two inches to the side, so it's it's not exactly vertical, which is why they corrected the photo. And then you have the final version, which is where you know it's color corrected and uh, arranged, so it's, it actually looks like a nice printed eight by ten. And a, a pro tip for that, typically at the end of the convention is when you'll hand in that paperwork um, to get the JPEGs. It's at the end of the convention and he's oh, okay. cash only. <laughs> so usually, I, I, usually, yes, if you're present at the convention, if you decide to get a JPEG afterwards, you can just pay 
PayPal him. It's uh, oh. more, um, I, I know I had one convention where I was actually done with photo ops earlier. Like, like, so I stopped by on Saturday and they still took the, the page for me. But typically, yeah, typically they prefer like once you're definitely done, you have all the numbers, which is uh, the, the number is usually printed on a uh, eight by 10. That's how you know it. Um, it. Typically, they do prefer that you stop by at the end with, uh, with, with a little bit of cash. And it's actually very reasonable. Um, I'd say out of the events that I normally attend, um, the average tends to be $15. And Chris is still charging only 10 for the JPEGs. But definitely save cash for the end of the convention. <laughs> I had one year where I had nine photo ops. I got to the end. I was like, I don't ever carry cash on. He's like, oh my gosh. But you, the last thing you want to do is hit a casino ATM machine because sometimes those fees are like $10 to use the, the ATMs there. Um, John, do you have any experiences doing the creation photo ops? I will typically buy a photo op only if I want to directly support the talent. Um, if it's like one of the actors that I'm really a fan of, um, I'm not a big collector. I'm not a person that has like a huge Star Trek collection of things. I actually have very little stuff considering how long I've been a fan. Um, I'm very judicious about what I spend money on in that regard. So I will go and do a photo op just to say like, you know, one, once in a while, or I, I tend to do more of the ones that are in the vendor's room. If it's just like someone who's setting up a thing and I just want to support them directly, um, I don't do anything with those. They just literally sit in my phone or in my, in my photo library. Um, and it's just because I wanted to support the actor and just, just, just be a part of that. Um, I will say that like the photo op that I am the, the proudest of is what isn't what I even paid for. Uh, it's when Ron Moore showed up to the Star Trek convention like 10 years ago and just walked into the vendor's room and sat down at an empty table and was like, does anyone want a photo or have me sign anything? And this immediate line for, and there, there was no handlers. This was not prepared. He wasn't part of the convention. He just showed up and I was able to get a photo with him. It's probably my most cherished one. I didn't even pay for it. Um, and so I think like, I'll never get to that level again. So <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not a photo op slash autograph guy. Uh, not my thing. So you did mention the vendors from yeah. photos. So how, how does that work? How is that different from the creation photo ops? Like what's the, how do those, well, what's the procedure? On, on one hand, you have a um, greater, uh, uh, well, ease of getting it, meaning it's not exactly scheduled. You know, when it's scheduled, you kind of, you know, okay, I'm going to have a conflict right there. And there is no way of like, redoing it or anything you have to if you bought a photo op ticket you have to show up otherwise you just lost your money uh whereas with the uh, vendors room the the actors set their own times and so they can be you know two hours there in the morning then have lunch and then spend you know another four hours there so you actually have much greater chance of catching them sometime when you don't have a conflict with with the autographing or with another panel or with anything else you might be going so in that in that way it's a little bit easier um the sort of i suppose a little bit of a con of it is that if somebody else takes a photo and you know it doesn't come out very nice it's not a professional photo that sort of like could be a turn off for some people i've actually i'm, I'm i love, love the fact that can get selfies because that for me that's the perfect way to avoid conflicts when there's multiple things going on at once and i know for a fact if i show up i don't know the following day at 10 o'clock i can still catch that person and grab that selfie because i couldn't do a photo op any other time that it was scheduled so it's sort of like it's it, it gives you another chance of, of doing a photo with this person if you can do a photo op for some for, for, for some reason another thing is of course uh, the money the official photo ops tend to be more expensive than selfies you know you can get a selfie i don't know um, $40 maybe, $60, depends who it is. 
um, not everybody does selfies. I know that some of the people sitting in the, uh, um, I think TNG tends to be just autographs, but but it depends. It has varied year through year. So like like last year, I definitely saw Jonathan Frakes doing both the official photo op and doing selfies in the vendor's room. So just stop by the table and see, you know, is there a little note? You know, saying when they're going to be there. If not, maybe ask the handler. And there should be a little sign saying how much the selfies are. And you can sort of like between your, you know, your times, your schedule, whatever you have, and the monies that you have, you can actually see, you know, does it make sense to do the photo op, the official photo op that is, uh, or just spring for a selfie. I just want to say one of the things that surprised me the most was when Joan Collins came to the Star Trek convention, she didn't, she set up her own table in the vendor's room and, <laughs> and you could just walk up there and, you know, get an autograph or a, or a photograph. It was just, it was wild. You know, that, I mean, Joan Collins of all people was set up in the vendor's room and was doing her own thing. And I just thought it was fantastic and glorious. Incredible. And, you know, to that point, too, and Marina kind of touched on it, if you want to do the selfie and save a couple bucks, I love the selfie photos. Um, the only way to tell if they're going to typically be in there, unless it's Joan Collins making a surprise appearance, um, on Creation's website under the autographs, it lists who will have a table in the vendor's room. Um, and it's typically those folks that have been there a lot. Um, Ed Spilliers is coming this year. I do not expect him to pop up in the vendor's room and do selfies. Um, if they have a scheduled autograph time, typically they're not going to be in the vendor's room. But if their name says vendors, they'll be in the vendor's room on and off all weekend. Um, and to that point, I know like Chase Masterson has a table in the vendor's room. Um, she's there with the Pop Hero Coalition, but she's busy through the convention. So some of these folks, you will have to kind of... I hate to use the term, but kind of stalk them a little bit to make Come sure they're go. at their booth. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It can be hit or miss if you find them. Yeah. Um, I know Michael Dorn is a really hard one to nail down. Um, so if you're doing that, just make sure you're you're popping in there frequently. So, Ron, I'd like to say one thing, though, about uh, casual interaction photos before we move on, which is that one of the things you all, everyone should remember is that the actors and the, any of the talent, really, they're making a living, right? And they're being paid for their appearances. So if you see some of the talent walking around, you can ask them for a selfie, but be respectful if they decline um, mm -hmm. because some of them are there because they're, they're trying to make a living. And so you just have to acknowledge that. Um, I can say though, that, that I remember, and I, I want to say it was 2016 when the discovery cast was coming to the convention. I it was either 2016 or 2017. Marina would probably remember better than me, but we didn't know anything about the show really at all. The first year they came, the only thing we knew was like, here's the actor here's their name in the show and here's like a sentence that might be like five words to say what they are that's all we knew about them and they were walking around people didn't even really know who they were for the most part and i think i got casual interaction photos with all of the mary chifo and you know everybody uh just because you know i think they were just happy to be there and we didn't even know anything about them really you know and it was just fantastic and i really enjoyed it but just be prepared that you have to respect the parameters and the boundaries that the that the talent's going to set up so just be respectful yeah, very much so. I have to second that. And to that effect, so that was 2017 when we had Mary Chifo and Wilson Cruz and Sam Bartolomeos and I forget who the fourth person was. At that point, like, yeah, we knew the names of the uh, characters, but that was really it because uh, we're in August. Discovery hasn't premiered until September. Um, and <laughs> Wilson Cruz 
and Mary Chifo were all over the place. I'm sure their handlers probably wanted to pull their hair out because they they were very much they were well everybody was excited. Everybody was like ready to, you know, welcome to the family and engage them and do everything. And they they did that. They chatted and they did. I don't know if they did any kind of you know selfies or any other things. They probably did. Um, the following year, once Discovery was in and once they were official guests of the convention, so their names were on the website. I bumped into Wilson Cruz into in in the vendor's room. He was visiting with one of the other actors. And we just chatted actually about something theatrical, completely unrelated to Star Trek. And I said, can I have a selfie? And he said, you know what? Had this been last year, we bumped like this into each other. Easy peasy, no problem whatsoever. This year, I can no longer do that. So it's aside from obviously, you know, again, like you said, they, they, it's their professional appearance. They're earning money for this. They're also limited, but what they can do by the contract, I'm sure. So that's an additional thing. And of course, if you bump into somebody outside of convention, you know, on the street, you're walking down and suddenly you bump into, I don't know, <laughs> there's Mary Chifo or something. I would actually be very careful with like the kind of like, you know, yeah, approach, say hello. I'm sure that's going to be fine. But starting to ask, like, do you mind doing photo ops and autographs? I would say that that's a big no-no. Usually outside when, you know, they're not working, they're not there to entertain us 24-7. So, you know, be polite. That's, you know, be polite and kind. Um, because I've I've heard, I've heard stories where some of the actors had to leave restaurants they were in because, you know, they were having dinners with their whoever was accompanying them and you know some fans kind of decided to to insert themselves in the situation so that's that's not a good thing to do um something else i wanted to mention as far as photo ops and autographs something that happens and they're free again sort of like what happened with ron moore we do have some of the behind the scenes talent that is listed they're official guests of the convention uh but they're not part of official photo ops or official autographs they tend to do that uh, after their panels were, and they, they would normally kind of mention it somewhere in the description that after the panel, the guest is very happy to meet the fans. You know, you can chat with them, ask questions, and they will do autographing and they will do selfies. Um, over the years, that's how I actually managed to actually, you know, bump into several of the composers. And of course, and, you know, our beloved Akudas, Doug Drexler, they all happily engage into this. And I would very much, you know, recommend meeting these people because a they're amazing <laughs> and b yeah if you are into doing selfies autographs that's a wonderful way to actually do that just meet them after the panel yeah quite quite right uh, marina i was referring to more to them walking around the convention space oh, yeah. and in the yeah, halls yeah. and stuff like that yeah, yeah, yeah you see like... people having dinner leave them alone for crying out loud perfect uh, and to kind of piggyback off of the the behind the scenes folks too um their interactions are just always so much fun um, and if you're listening to the Con Pod, a Star Trek convention podcast, I'm going to assume that you're like a lot of us where you will recognize a lot of these folks. Um, but your general fan doesn't necessarily recognize the Akutas, even at the convention. Um, so I remember my first convention texting my husband and being like, I am standing five feet from Mike Akuta. And my husband's like, who? Who? He's a fan, but he's not a, a diehard. And it's, you know... If you do interact with these folks, it, it's fantastic. They are passionate about the work that they've done, and they appreciate that recognition. Um, but definitely, if you see them at dinner, leave them alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, I was standing talking to Rick Sternbach. This is, I want to say, 2015, 2016. Uh, almost past 2015 was the Voyager's anniversary, because I remember I was you know, talking his ear off about Voyager. He designed it. Um, and, uh, somebody said, but would you like to like, kind of go there? There's that I'm like, I am talking to Rick Sternbach and the person <laughs> looked like me, like I was insane. He didn't know who it was. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I would just add one thing onto that, uh, which goes back to an earlier topic, which is uh, talking about the main panels and stuff like that, is that there's often time for fan questions. And one of the biggest, I don't know if faux pas is the right word, but I think one of the biggest errors that especially newbie fans will make when they go to ask a question is that many times I see people asking questions of the actors that they have no ability to answer, not because of NDAs or privacy or anything like that. It's just this person in their role would not know that. And so many times the person you really want to ask that question to is that behind the scenes person. It's the person who wrote the episode or the person who designed the ship or the person who actually made the set. Those are the people that are in the secondary and tertiary theaters many times. And that's where you can get those questions answered. So if you're going to ask a question of an actor, make sure it's a question they can actually answer. <laughs> I appreciate that for sure. Um, the last thing I'll add about the photo ops, because we'll talk about autographs in a second, is that the photo ops, you can have a photo op with one actor in 15 minutes, have a photo op with another one lined up. The lines for the photo ops, especially the creation ones, um, this is really random, but they fly right by. These photo ops yeah. don't. If you've been to Disney World and you've met Mickey Mouse and you've had that moment of interaction, it's very different at these conventions. A photo op with these guys, especially some of the bigger talent, it's love and shove. You're standing there, it's two or three seconds tops. Um, I've had friends that buy autograph tickets. They're like, well, I'm going to bring this and have them sign it or I'm going to talk to them about this. You might get a handshake. Uh, you rarely will get a hug now after COVID. Um, it, it, they're very fast. Um, so don't worry about the long lines. If you get into the photo op room and there's a thousand people in line, they'll be done in 20 minutes. It, it's really something else. Um, but that kind of leads us into autographs. So oh, autographs yes. are fun. Um, I, having talked about the lines, I'll start by saying the autograph lines can be a lot longer, um, especially if it's a headliner, if it's somebody who's never been to a convention. I'm going to use Ed Spilliers as a good example here. Um, there's a good chance he'll be signing for a few hours while he's there because it's he's never been to a convention. His character's popular and it's it's a big event. Um, but let's talk about that a little bit. Um, are either of you autograph collectors? Um, I am. Yeah, you are. No. So, no, it, it, I never used to be. And then I got some gold tickets for free I, with autographs. And all of a sudden I have a wall of autographs. Yeah, so I, I actually but... started out with more autographs and I uh, slightly regret that because I have some autographs in my collection where I was like, I was right there with that person. They autographed it for me and I never did a selfie and I never had a photo op of them and now they're gone. Uh, so that's sort of, but I, yeah, just, you know, again, that's an example of how your convention experience changes. I, I was doing more autographs in the beginning. Now I'm more into photo ops and selfies these days. Um, but yeah, for autographs is, there are three, three ways of get to get an autograph. Well, one we actually already mentioned when you have behind the scenes, uh, or, or creative staff that would be doing the panel and then they would just meet the fans afterwards and do some signing. Um, that's a wonderful way. And yeah, you run, run more. Brandon Braga has done this. Uh, they had Jerry Taylor, one of the, one of these years, and she did a very nice, pretty lengthy, you know, like signing for like an hour after, after the, her panel. 
So um, wonderful way of doing this. Um, and of course, the main ones is you have uh, the actors we already mentioned. Some will have tables. So you have to stop by and see where they are. Um, they pay directly to them, mostly cash. Some started to do that, um, uh, you know, that app thing that either you do the stuff via Venmo or they just swipe your credit card with that little square thing. Um, but I, I still, you know, if you're doing this, I recommend make sure you just have cash with you because that's the easiest way of doing it. Uh, the pricing ranges. The nominal used to be $40 and then about, I'm going to say about within the last four to five years, prices have started to gone up. So uh, for uh, a main character, so say we're talking about um, somebody from TNG, expect to be like $60 on average. Um, the... Uh, autographs that are done through creation that's again it like official photo ops it's a scheduled event so that's going to be something that will be listed in the schedule and uh uh you just well you show up and depending on what the number of your ticket is because that's the main feature of the official autographing uh they go by groups of numbers called out so first it's the pdf tickets everybody who bought tickets online they will just say group one through 25 for george decay and that's when you go and line up at the, at his uh at the table usually they will put tables in the main theater uh, on either side and just they will put, announce it if they can if there is a panel running they will actually flash the the, the names and the numbers on the big screens um at the bottom of the big screens uh and they just go on like this until no more pdfs and then they go move on to the same thing for the physical tickets the ones bought at the convention um the two things to mention here those people who are signing uh, complementary to golds. The golds will go first by uh, by row. So they will just say, yep, George Takei. Suppose he's signing for the golds. Uh, gold row A. And then you wait until they announce. And this can drag on, unfortunately. That's probably the longest. If you have a, a headliner who's complementary to golds, that's probably going to be one of the longest lines of the weekend. Um, the second thing to mention is that I already actually brought it up earlier uh the guests who have their own tables will have a selection of uh photographs for the autographing you of course you're free to bring your own item that's perfectly fine you know bring a book bring a, an action figure ship model whatever you have we have um lithograph artwork whatever uh and of course creation will have a selection of eight by tens at their photo table in the vendor's room those actors who are signing at the scheduled event where you have the physical tickets or the pdfs you must bring something. So whether you buy a photo at Creations Table or you have your own thing, just make sure you have something. Because, you know, if I show up at Jonathan Frank's table, he will have something. So if I didn't bring anything, I have a selection. If I'm going for William Shatner, who is always, you know, a ticketed autographing session, uh, and I don't have anything, then, you know, I'm kind of in trouble because I don't have anything for him to sign and I have a ticket. So make sure to bring something for those who do scheduled ticketed autographing sessions. And what, one thing I would add on to that, too, is if you want to bring something that's not a Star Trek thing, that's totally OK. Uh, but if you want them to sign something because you're a fan of something else that the actor has been in, you had best bring that. So let me just use an example here. Ed Spilliers, right? If you're like the hugest Downton Abbey fan in the world and you want a, a photo of him signed uh, from Downton Abbey, you are I think you're taking a big risk if you think you're going to buy that at the convention. They they may not have anything for you there. Um, there will probably be tons of Jack Crusher stuff. But if you want a Downton Abbey thing, you'd want to bring that with you. I'm not a big autograph getter, but I always look at the autograph lines and I have kind of this thing that I do. If I have a few minutes at the convention and I don't have a place to be, I love to go to walk where the autograph line is. 
And you both, because you've been to the conventions a bunch, will know this. There is always some guy in line with some gigantic thing on a dolly that he's wheeling around, or he's got like three people helping him carry something into the convention. And it's like, I, I always want to stop and I do this. I stop and I talk to those people and I say, what, what is this thing? And they'll say, oh, this is actually a piece of the screen used set from the promenade of Deep Space Nine. And I've been collecting autographs on it for 15 years, you know, and I've even got Avery Brooks, you know, and these people are so happy in my experience to share with you, whatever this thing is that they're wheeling in on a dolly. Um, so I always look for the people carrying really heavy, large objects in the autograph line. And I stop and I ask them what they're, what it is or where, the, where they got it from and how long they've been uh, collecting autographs on it. Cause it's usually a really good story and a really good interaction with another fan. To that end too, I'll say I've done a fair number of photo ops. I, I prefer the photo ops, but the autographs, I think you get better interaction with the talent. You know, I had Iris Even Bear was there one year and I had him sign a copy of the Star Trek magazine from the first episode of Deep Space Nine. And he saw it and immediately was like, this is in the documentary. This was before the documentary had come out. Can I borrow this for a second? Like, I'm going to say no to Iris Even Bear. So he took it and showed it to <laughs> a few of his friends and was like, this is so cool. Um, you, you will get a little bit more interaction. That's why the lines move so much slower. Um, the, George yeah. Takei, I saw him in 2021. I had autograph like number 200. And I expected to get in there and just have him signing away. And he wasn't. He was signing, but he was trying to engage with every single yes. fan. You won't always uh, get that, but I it's, have it's to more likely. Add to this, uh, the, the variation in how different actors sign is actually quite amazing. It's a, it's a huge range. You will never get the same kind of like... I, what, I would, what I'm trying to say is like, do not expect... Yes, technically speaking, you have more time. So a lot of people actually going into autographs expecting that they will have interaction. That's not a given, not at all. A lot of actors might just literally sit there and try to get there because they know that there is literally a thousand people that they have to do signing for in the next, hopefully, couple of hours. Um, Some so of them may not even look up at you. Exactly. And this is nothing personal. It's like it's not the person like ignoring your existence. It's just the fact of the matter is it's 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 a situation like this. So in that regard, you know, they just hello, how are you? It's fantastic to meet you. And then they, you know, maybe they will say thank you. Maybe they will just nod at you. But, you know, at least you, 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 you had that moment together, I suppose. And then yeah, if there are smaller lines definitely you will have some sort of a conversation and some of the guests oh boy do they love to engage with the fans and actually uncle george is one i i noticed that he tends to have actually multiple handlers because they're trying to kind of keep him on time because if he had his way he would literally spend there and he will talk to you he would like to know you and you know what you're doing and what is this thing that you brought him and everything and unfortunately they have to keep it on time because again you know, with him and actually for pretty much everyone from the original series that tend to be really big lines. Uh, but yeah, but I just wanted to kind of point out that, you know, like do not go into um, an autographing expecting that you're going to have like a, you know, you can tell the story of your life and everything else. That's that should not be the expectation. Expect a brief interaction, which hopefully, you know, involves of you expressing just how much you appreciate this person coming to the convention and that sort of thing and getting the autograph. Yeah. To that point, too, um, going back to, I keep backtracking, um, as far as bringing things for them to sign as well, if you are doing any of those complimentary autographs for the behind the scenes folks, Creation has a table that has 8x10s, but typically you're not going to find 8x10s of the behind the scenes folks. Um, so that's where my suggestion, bring something with you, something, you, it's always good a good idea too to have something kind of generic to have signed because you never know 
who you might be able to get an autograph from that yeah. you're not expecting. Uh, and it's just good to have something with you. Um, yeah. But they have their pens. They're they're ready. It's a, I know photo ops and autographs. It's a great way to just be near the talent, get a photo, and say, "Yeah, I met this person." Um, it's fun. Um, that's one of else? the reasons why I uh, the bulk of my autograph collection is actually inside Star Trek Encyclopedia. Granted, it's the Encyclopedia, the 1999 edition, so pretty much everything past Voyager season five is not in it. So I do have. Uh, all the Enterprise uh, actors in it, uh, except for uh, Jolene Blaylock, because she's no longer, unfortunately, on the convention circuit. Um, so it was very, uh, you know, tricky to like, where do I find a spot for them to sign? Because they're not in it. Uh, but it is a one. It, it is sort of that kind of generic thing where, yeah, I have, you know, uh, I have Akudas in it. I have all sorts of people behind the scenes, the writers and the composers and the um, some of the directors. Uh, you know, Encyclopedia is actually a pretty good thing for that sort of thing. Love that. I would not recommend the new one, the 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 two tone monster that we have because that's eleven pounds. You don't <laughs> want to carry that with you unless you really want to, of course. <laughs> I have that. I'm thinking about bringing the case because there's two big hardcover books that fit inside this case. And like you said, that thing weighs a ton. But if I was to bring the exterior case and have the Akuda sign Yeah, it, but how many um, can you have in there? Like the, the, the 99 edition that I have, I have just over 200 autographs in it right now. Um, so and it's yeah, it's, it's like most of it, it's uh, under the entries for their characters. And some are, you know, like there's a definition for Starfleet captain. So that's where I actually had um, Scott Bakula sign because that's really the only place I could think of. Um, and uh, but yeah, the, that big one. That's a tricky one. Somebody says, like, are you going to start over? I'm like, I'm I'm not doing that with an 11-pound book. <laughs> the last thing I'll add for autographs, too, there is another type of autograph we didn't talk about, and that's there are a lot of folks. You mentioned Jolene Blaylock, who doesn't do conventions. Um, in the vendor's room, you will find booths that have autographs for sale. Um, I'm thinking Patrick Stewart, who yeah. hasn't been to a convention in years, Scott Bakula. You know, if you really do want to get one of these autographs, it's a... I, I think it's a safer place than possibly buying an autograph off of eBay. Um, oh, yeah. Because there's, there's more yeah. people there and you you know what's happening. Um, You're going to so get the certificate of authenticity, to... too, if yeah. you buy it from creation. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And you, you also should mention that with some of the higher end tickets, you also get uh, an autograph photo with it. That's correct. Yes, the gold. Yeah, so, yeah. So, well, I, not, not just that, but I mean, I've done captain's chair. And yeah. as part of captain's chair, um, you would get two signed autographed photos mm -hmm. that you know they were pre-done you're not meeting the talent yeah. right but you're getting the certificate of authenticity and the way it worked was one was always a trek thing and one was from something else so what one year i i think this was yeah. last year i did captains i got uh uh i think it was a connor trainer and and then and then i got one from vampire diaries from which is a show i've never watched from an actor i didn't know and i was like well this is going right up on ebay <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they they do the same thing for gold and it's the same setup. So they actually they they you know if you're doing gold or, or captains, you will have like a little thing that says you know to uh to, to get your complimentary signed photo, you show up after that time on a Friday or, or on a Saturday or some some specific day, and uh yeah one is is a is a uh, you know basically you the, the photo is inside of a, a bright brown bag and they have a whole box of it and you just randomly pull it out. One is purely track, as as John mentioned, and one is anything else that is within sci-fi slash fantasy genre. Uh, there was one year where, uh, and this was not my first Vegas, it must have been fourth or fifth by that time, 
And I forget who I got out of the Star Trek box, but out of the sci-fi box, I pulled out Michael Shanks from Stargate. Now, at that point, the number of Michael Shanks that have been pulled out in the previous a couple of years and that year also, like I saw literally two people in front of me pull out also Michael Shanks. It was like, how many other? Is it just the entire box of Michael Shanks? And uh, one of the wonderful ladies from the, the uh, I call it the art table. That's sort of like, it's a separate table that Creation has that has... Um, signed autographs and it's not just track but it's more special things you know like you can you can get things by things by folks who passed away or it could be something unusual with um you know like old hollywood history um it's it's usually against a different wall than than, than the photo table um <laughs> uh and she was like she's like no it just it, it's it is a coincidence that a lot of people pull them out yes there's a lot of them in the box but there are also other ones including actually some random tracks she's like like for example i can tell you that this sci-fi box actually has two jerry ryan's and she hers is pretty rare and she's like just stick your michael shanks in there and just pull another one and well guess who i pulled out and i was very i was like tail under my my legs I just quickly just bailed out of there because I felt very guilty that I kind of basically forced her into giving me another chance of pulling out another sci-fi autograph and it just so happened to be one of the rare ones so uh go figure but that's fun <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say you got another Michael Shanks like of course <laughs> No, I did exchange, actually. I pulled out somebody from Stargate Universe, something that actually, I have to admit, I have not seen specifically Star Trek Universe. So I had no idea who the actor was. And I was sitting in secondary theater just chatting with a random person. And she saw that I'm holding it. She's like, oh, hey, it's this, whoever it is. And you know, I, I literally told her, I'm like, do you want it? Because I have no idea who it is. It has no value to me because I don't know who it is and everything. And she's like, oh, fine. She's like, let's swap. I'll just give you whoever I pulled that out of the box because I've been going to these conventions for five, six years, whatever it is. And we did. And she gave me um, a row, Ensign Row. And yeah. Michelle Forbes hasn't done a specifically a Trek convention in ages. I don't even know when the last one was, when the last Comic-Con was that she was at. So it was actually a fairly rare, rare autograph, and yet she really wanted that Stargate one. So who knows? Ask people around you. Maybe somebody will always want to swap it. There are a couple of vendors in the room who actually will accept signed uh, uh, autographs like this out of the, the, the brown bags, and they will actually give you a credit for their booth. So who knows if there's somebody you picked out and you don't know anyone, you can actually stop by and say, would you like to take it? And they, usually I think it's they give you 15 or $20 credit for this thing and you can pick out something out of their booth for, for, for that autographed photo that you don't want. Awesome. John, anything else to add about photo ops and autographs? No, I think that's it. I think that's it. But just I want to reiterate, go go talk to those people in line carrying something on a on a dolly. Uh, you'll You'll be amazed with whatever story you hear. Love it. Well, that wraps up everything I had on our list for this evening. Uh, Marina, is there anything else randomly that you'd like to add about the upcoming convention? Um, we haven't really spoken to other fan events that uh, that are going to be happening. There are certain that are uh, we're still pretty far out with three three months between now and, and the convention, but there are certain events that are a given. Um, we definitely know that we're going to have um, uh, well, the craft swap again. There is now uh, no actually made event on Facebook or something, but it's something that happens uh, all five days of the convention, uh, usually around five o'clock at Jimmy's place. One of those community tables gets used by people to bring something that they have crafted or had printed or just have, I don't know, extra stickers or pins or something and they would like to swap with somebody. It's not a sales event. It's not something you can just show up and like, oh, I really like that. I'll give you five bucks. 
no, we can't do that actually. So, but it's a nice thing. There's a lot of engagement. It's something that very successfully has transported into transplanted, I should say, to uh, Star Trek Cruise, which which it's now a thing there also. Uh, it's a fun event. Just stop by, check out if you don't have anything. Maybe next year you will participate. Um, usually the night before when we have the pre-registration, there are traditionally at least two get-togethers for fans. One is a, a organized actually by our uh, Star Trek Convention Experiences group on Facebook, and that is the, the newbies and solo travelers, sort of like an icebreaker event. Uh, and it's usually uh, slightly overlapped or happens right before the landing party, party which is organized by Larry Namichek and uh, Track Movie and Roddenberry uh, Network, uh, which is great fun and definitely something to check out. Um, again, sister group, USS Rio, traditionally has the uh, walk slash run on the strip and then the pool party. Those are kind of became fixtures. We're now already like, um, I think the run has been going on for seven years, the landing party for at least 12. So it's kind of like those things that fan, fans have created and it became very popular way of kind of getting everybody together. And then, of course, all sorts of podcasts and other fan groups have their own things that get organized. All of this tends to get posted on the uh, online as we get closer to the convention. Marina, I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to plug um, the Fan Geeks party as well that was just announced this week. Um, we're recording this with 94 days until the convention on April 30th. Um, tickets are going live this evening. Um, it, it's a huge party. This this thing is in its, I think, third or fourth year. Um, this year, we'll see a live recording of the Trek Geeks with Bill and Dan. Um, there's special guests that will be there, including John Billingsley from Enterprise, Bonnie Gordon from Prodigy. Um, and uh, there's a lot more that are still to come. Um, and then a lot of giveaways from fan sets. Um, they're actually saying the party, it's Friday night, it starts at 8 p.m. And it's running until there are no more pins. <laughs> so there's a big question mark <laughs> as to when it's going to end. Um, it'll be taking place at the Millennium Fandom Bar. Um, and more details can be found at fangeeksparty.com. Um, and the pins all come from Fansets, who, of course, is the official sponsor of Trek Geeks and our podcast. Um, but we will be having Bill Smith on later on, I'm hoping, to talk about this party. Um, we're going to have Yazenia talk about the craft swap. So we'll have another episode come out as we get closer with some of these unofficial events. Um, but they are definitely a lot of fun, um, all of these events, as many as you can make it to. John, anything else you wanted to add about the upcoming convention? No, it's going to be exciting. Um, I think the first announcement I'm actually going to be looking for, the very first piece of news that I'm going to be checking out at the convention is the dates and location for the next one after this, because we know it's not going to be the Rio. Absolutely. Agreed. Yep. Well, I would like to thank you both so much for joining me. This has been a fun episode. I'm so excited for this convention. It's, it's, I, I missed the Vegas one last year, and this is going to be a lot of fun. And like John said, this is the last one at the Rio. So for those of us who have been going for a few years, and I've not been going for nearly as long as you guys have, um, it's, it's going to be emotional. I think the Rio, it's, it feels like we're going home after being at Bally's last year, um, but we're oh, yeah. home for a little bit. <laughs> And so, it's terrible, but it's it's <laughs> us. It's ours. It, exactly. <laughs> so, Marina, yes. if people want to stay in yes. touch with you before the convention, how can they find you online? Um, I am on Facebook. As you already mentioned, I'm one of the admins for the Star Trek Convention Experiences group. Uh, that certainly is the best way. And especially as far as the Star Trek Las Vegas is concerned, that's a great place to uh, 
to join because we have um, plenty of vets, anybody who can answer pretty much any question at this point. Um, um, and um, I'm also on Twitter at Dracorex, uh, D-R-A-K-K-O-R-E-X, and same handle on uh, Instagram. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's basically it. That, those three. Fabulous. And John, if people want to stay in touch with you before the convention, how can they find you? Sure. Uh, the best place to find me is Trek Profiles, and I am most active on Twitter at Trek Profiles. And you can also check out my website where I have a lot of information about my podcast, including where you can listen online, uh, trekprofiles.com. And what I do is I interview delightful Star Trek nerds about why the show is important to them. And both Ron and Marina have been guests on the show. So check me out at Trek Profiles uh, everywhere you get your audio. I have to add to your most recent episode was a lot of fun to listen to. With oh, with the, 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 with the, Christian the TikTok, yeah, it was so much fun. Um, so definitely yeah. check check out the podcast. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, so I just recently got on TikTok, and I, I'm not really doing a lot of Star Trek stuff, but I'm viewing a lot of Star Trek stuff. So I'm being introduced to a whole new group of fans that I I did not know were out there. A lot of cosplay happens on in Star Trek TikTok too. So uh, I met Christian; he had a very interesting point of view on Star Trek. So I really enjoyed uh, interviewing him. So my first TikTok interview, and there will be more to come. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for joining in and we will see you all in 94 days.